For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Support for this podcast is provided by Subchuck Law. Revolution Recap thanks Subchuck Law for their support of our show, local independent media, and their mission of bringing unbiased truth. Revolution Recap would also like to thank Six Point Builders for their support. Six Point Builders are builders of fine, custom homes in the Boston metropolitan area. Welcome to another episode of Revolution Recap, coming to you after the New England Revolution ended their five-game winless streak with a 3-1 home win over Inter-Miami. Carlos Hill, Matt Polster, and Bobby Wood all found the net for the Revs in the win. I'm Sean Donahue, joined today by Sam Minton from the Blazing Musket. Sam, how's it going? Going good, going good. Obviously, great to talk after a win, especially since it's been, I believe, seven in all, all comps to win a win. Uh, so, always good to talk after three points. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been a brutal stretch without without any victories for the Revs. Lots of draws, uh, a few losses, but uh, a lot of a lot of a lot of not so great results for the Revolution. So it is nice to have a nice three to one win that, for the most part, was a pretty comfortable victory for the Revs. Although we'll talk about why it wasn't maybe at the very end. Um, but but before we do that, before we jump into takeaways, I wanted to take a quick second to talk about one of our sponsors. Bet Online is your number one source for your championship finals info, stats, news, and scores. Get the latest odds and lines and the latest matchup report for this year's NBA and Stanley Cup Finals. BetOnline is your sports intel headquarters this season as we have you covered for all your insider sports wagering needs from basketball and hockey to MLB, soccer, UFC, and boxing. The fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, including live betting options and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your home. Get into the action today. Head to their website or use your mobile device to join and be sure to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive 50% bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Sam, let's get right into our key takeaways, which are brought to you by our friends at the Rebellion Supporters Group. Be sure to check them out on Twitter at Any Rebellion and their website, anyrebellion.org. Uh, there's obviously a lot you could probably take away from this one, but what, what was your key takeaway from this game? Yeah, it's actually it's about someone who didn't score, uh, but I was really impressed with what I saw from Gustavo Bo. Uh, great to have him in the starting 11. Uh, first start since the beginning of the April. Obviously, he, he had appeared, got some about 20 minutes in, was able to get about 60-65 against Inter-Miami, and I was just really impressed overall with how he played. Obviously, he wasn't able to get a goal, but just his chemistry with Carlos Hill was on display. Uh, there was, I, I just remember, a dummy that was absolutely beautiful from him, and just watching him play was, you know, it was great to see him back. And I think overall, his chemistry with Hill, but I think also, too, he worked well and was paired well of a guy like Bobby Wood, Bobby Wood, more of a hold-up physical striker that allows for someone like Gustavo Bo to focus on getting in behind opposing uh, defenders, also make sure to find that open space and kind of try and make some magic happen there. But I was overall really impressed with him, and I think maybe that could be the striker pair, pairing moving forward. Obviously, Giacomo Veroni hasn't had the season that he's wanted 
Bobby Wood is up there along with Carlos Hill for the uh, Golden Boot Race. So definitely didn't see that coming, but great to see Gustavo Bo back. Thought he looked really good, and if he can keep this up, Bruce Shane did say he could be in line for 90 minutes against Orlando City. If he can continue to keep this up, stay healthy, he's going to bring a lot to the revolution attack that's kind of been looking for him, especially losing a DP can be really crucial and can affect the team. So having him back, it's really great to see. Yeah, and I, I do want to talk about Rioni later, but for for now, I mean, Bruce Arena wanted you to talk, to, wanted you to ask him about him last night, but you didn't. So we'll have to, <laughs> we'll, have to we'll have to get to him, get to him later. But sticking on the Gustavo Bo point, it was really good to see him back in the starting lineup. One of my things that I've mentioned about Bo in the past is that when he's taken, when he's come back from injuries or long layoffs, it's taken him time to find a sharpness. That surprisingly hasn't really been the case this season. When he's been out, he's he's come back and pretty quickly looked pretty good um and this was a game where like you said he didn't get on the score sheet he did have four shots one on target maybe one that he should have done better with but overall he was a very active player in this game very involved in the attack paired pretty well with bobby wood maybe maybe minus the one time where they made the exact same run although on that play bobby wood ended up scoring anyways um but no the the two of them paired very very well and getting gustavo bow back in the lineup i think was was huge for a revolution team that you know without dylan barrero without gustavo bow um is kind of lacking in the attack options outside of Carly's heel as far as guys that can actually create anything so it, it was it was great to have him out there and I think it was a big big boost for the revolution and his pairing with Bobby Wood has been you know pretty solid all season yeah and I think you know we, we talked about it again the whole Veroni question is definitely going to come up is when does he get a run of starts or if he does even get a run of starts but if you can start to have Gustavo Blow scoring goals you already have Wood who's performing quite well Carlos Hill is Carlos Hill. We saw that on display perfectly with his passing ability, taking that pen, getting that. So as long as you have that that kind of almost triangle, I guess if you want to put it, of Carlos Hill controlling the midfield and the strikers working well, this is a revolution team that can start racking up points, and especially with the injuries, they need to start racking up points if they do want to be MLS Cup contenders. But they have given themselves leeway in terms of that great start that they had. So I think overall, if you can have a Gustavo Bo starting to really find his form, get those goals, the Revolution would be a tough team to beat. And even though it seemed like the world was crashing down with Dylan Barrero and Henry Kessler, maybe things aren't too bad in New England. We, you know what? I think we I think we have to get to Brioni now because you, you you mentioned him there, and it's probably the good time to, time to do it. But it, where do his minutes come from now? Because it, I think they had the perfect opportunity to get him integrated into this team and give him minutes in the starting lineup when Gustavo Bo was out. And now that Bo is back and Bo is playing well and Bobby Woods playing well, I don't think you can bench either of those two guys. I don't think it makes sense to do that anymore. And I, I again, I think they had this window with Bo outward. They could have given Brioni a run, seen what he could do, and maybe he could force himself into the starting lineup. But but right now. Wood has done nothing to get himself benched, and you certainly can't bench Gustavo Bo the way he's playing. So it seems like Rioni's role is going to be off the bench or going to be a rotation player at this point um, because I, I think the, the equation has kind of changed, right? You, you don't bench Wood or Bo the way they're playing. Yeah, especially last night. That, that was my thinking. So you can't bench Bobby Wood. He's just playing too well. And, you know, credit to Bruce Arena. This is definitely not a move that I saw paying off so well. And he was able to bring him in. Obviously, Bobby would have struggled with health. So credit to Bruce Reno. I don't want to exactly say taking a chance on him, but he made the move. So credit to him there. And, and I would have to agree. It's going to be really hard. It was interesting hearing Bruce talk about Leeds Cup. He kind of seems, it seemed like he kind of thinks of it as an awkward competition in the middle of the league. And especially if you don't get out of the group stage, you're, you're out for about 
two or three weeks, close to a month of just rest and no matches. So it's going to be interesting to see how Bruce handles these cup. Maybe that's the chance where you give a guy like Gustavo Bo, who has had injury issues, let him take a rest. Uh, you know, obviously, if you get deeper into the tournament, things can change, but that is a possibility. The only other option I can see is possibly moving to that lone striker and, you know, maybe do you have Wood come off the bench? But I'm talking about it right now. I'm like, what's going on? We can't do that. Because even if you move Gustavo Bo to the wing, which I was going to go on about, I don't think that's the best move for Gustavo. He's better kind of working in that striker partnership. So it's going to be really tough. I think as long as this continues to go, people are going to wonder, is Giacomo Veroni worthy of being a DP? You know, are you wasting a DP slot on a guy coming off the bench and getting maybe 10, 15, 20 minutes? It's going to be really interesting to see how Bruce handles this because you can't just give him starts to give him starts because he's DP. Bruce said all along, doesn't matter if you're a designated player, whatever your designation is, you're just a player on the roster. So it's going to be interesting to see how it handles. But right now, like you said, it seems like it's going to be the Bobby Wood show and Gustavo Bo up top. Yeah, and I think I don't think there's really any way you can play all three of them, right? Because I think both of us would agree that Gustavo Bo's best position isn't on the wing. But even if you were going to play him on the wing, it would have to be in a one striker formation. I can't I can't see how you could play Gustavo Bo as a winger and play two strikers. That just doesn't it doesn't seem workable to me. I don't, I don't know if you disagree, but I think you gotta you gotta pick two of them one way or the other, right? Yeah, it's like I, I was trying to think of a possibility, and you just can't because you have to have that lone striker, and right now that's gonna be Bobby Wood. So, I mean, it seems like right now it would have been great if the Reds were maybe in the U.S. Open Cup because Bruce loves to, you know, maybe take a step back a bit and then you give Veroni minutes there. So, I think, you know, looking ahead, barring, you know, another injury to Bo, which would be terrible, or an injury to Bobby Wood, Leeds Cup is, could be the only chance or, you know, the next big chance for a guy like Veroni to prove that he should be in that starting 11 and maybe someone like Bobby Wood now transitions to a bench role. So especially in league play, it's going to be interesting to see how Brioni gets minutes and what he is able to do with those minutes. Because coming off the bench, 15, 20 minutes, it's really hard to make an impact. You know, we saw it against Montreal. He was able to score. But can he do that week in and week out with solo minutes? It'll be really interesting to see. Yeah, and that kind of leads me to to my takeaway from this game, which is we're at the halfway point of the MLS regular season, not the halfway point of the rev season because of League's Cup, but halfway point of the MLS regular season, and I still don't know what this team identity or best formation is, and that you know kind of goes back to that point. Um, but I, I was thinking at some point that I was going to say my takeaway from this game is that the the three five two five three to whatever you want to call it the Rose played in this game was going to be the Rose's best option with Brewer all, all season. But then I, I thought about it more. And when Brandon buys back, I, I'm not sure that's actually the case because then what do you do with Ima Boateng, who's actually been one of your best players this season? Um, so, you know, when you talk about League's Cup and you talk about kind of using that as an opportunity to get Rioni minutes, I think you also need to use that as an opportunity to figure out what this team's best lineup and best formation is. You know, even if that is, you know, Gustavo Bo and Bobby Wood, I don't think you can waste that opportunity because here you are halfway through the season and, you know, credit to the Revs are tied for third place despite this. But I don't know that either of us could say right now definitively what the Revolution's best formation is and what their team identity is when they're healthy, you know, minus Barrero because Barrero's out all season. So that's something that they need to figure out. Almost, it, it's it's crazy to say it, but almost use the league's cup like you would use a preseason to figure out your best lineup uh, because this team really had to change the way they played without Barrero. And you know, just kind of getting to that, it's it's partly the injuries they've dealt with, but it's also partly the roster construction, right? Because 
you look at how this team started the season and Barrero was really strong for the revolution on the wings. And then as soon as he went out, you didn't have two winger options that could actually really play out there. You had Imo Boateng that could play on the wing. And then you had a bunch of guys that were either, you know, young homegrown players that were very untested, like a, like an Esmir or a Jack Paniotu. Um, and I don't, I'm not sure that Jack Paniotu is actually a winger. I think he's more of a central player. And then you have Noel Buck, who's more of a central midfielder that can play on the wing. But you didn't really have a second winger other than Imo Boateng. So you had to kind of change how this team played. And, you know, at some point I thought the 5-3-2 would make sense. And it did make sense in this game. Um, given Brewer was out and given they didn't really have good wingers, you could use, you know, Dewan Jones and Brandon Bai as fullbacks. But now that Ima Boateng has played so well, I don't think you can play a 5-3-2 with Brandon Bai, Dewan Jones, and Ima Boateng. I don't know where Ima Boateng fits. So uh, let me know if you disagree with me, but I, I just don't, I still think we don't know what the best formation for this team is. And that's probably something you need to figure out in League's Cup. And w- when you're experimenting, probably have that in mind more than just getting Veroni minutes. No, I think you're exactly correct. And I believe it was Hayden Berger who asked uh, Bruce and some players after the match. And I'm pretty sure all, everyone kind of agreed in that with these injuries, it's been tough to find that identity and really build on something because you'd have to replace players and move players into the starting 11. So I I would definitely agree. And, you know, to your point, it's going to be really tough to not reiterate Brandon Bai, but I think Ima Boateng has proven he deserves to start. And then how are you going to keep him in the starting 11? Does that come at the expense of a possible player like Latif Blessing? I mean, you have someone like Noel Buck, obviously struggled with injury. Bruce did say that he hopes that both Bai and Buck will be back for the match against Orlando City. So I, it's going to be really tough. Again, Bruce Arena is Bruce Arena. He'll hopefully figure it out. But that 5-3-2, you saw DeWan Jones kind of switch sides, almost to kind of replace Brandon in a way. And I like kind of seeing Brand, uh, DeWan Jones in that more advanced role. I think he's one of those players, obviously with Dylan Barrero, he can go at defenders. He can attack defenders. He isn't afraid of those 1v1s. And he's able you know, get into the box and create chances. Ima Boateng, I think, is more better served, you know, providing service, sending crosses into the box. So when you got a guy like Brandon Byback, it wouldn't surprise me to see the Rebs go back to maybe a 4-4-2 like usual. I don't think a 4-2-3-1 are just because Bobby Wood has been playing so well and you have Gustavo Bo. Uh, so that makes it difficult, you know, where are you going to fit Ima Boateng, the whole Latif Blessing thing then becomes a question. So it's going to be really interesting. It's going to be a lot of juggling. This is a problem the Revolution really didn't have, I think, of when it seemed like Henry Kessler and Andrew Farrow were permanently slotted in to that back line. You know, really the back line in general was written in Sharpie. So it's good to have this depth, good to sort of have these problems, but it is something that Bruce Rina is going to have to figure out. Yeah, and some of them are good problems to have, like you said. They they have a over you know overabundance of good central midfielders right now with with Noel Buck, Latif Blessing, uh, Matt Polster. Although I think you could say Latif Blessing still hasn't been at his best for the Revolution in a while. I think he played better this last game than we've seen him recently, but um, that's I guess another another story. But there is an overabundance of kind of central midfielders on this team that gets even stronger when Tommy McNamara comes back from injury, which it sounds like is going to happen relatively soon. And then on the flip side, where there's you know it's not necessarily 
a good thing to have these questions is I, I don't think that they have enough wingers on this roster with Dylan Burrow out. And because when, if you want to play a four, four, two with two wingers, as opposed to playing kind of a four, four, two diamond, you have Ima Boateng, who is a great option as we've seen, but I think it's going to be unbalanced because of whoever you put out on the right. Cause we've seen Noel Buck out there on the right. And I think that's kind of a waste of his skill set, having him on the wing as opposed to in the center of the midfield. I don't think he's as good out there, and I don't think that necessarily works the same way Eva Boateng does. And then you have Latif Blessing, who we've seen him play out there, who was the same thing. You know, he played winger earlier in his career, but I don't know that that's necessarily the right fit for him at this point in his career either. And then, again, you have some of the homegrown guys that haven't that have been good but ne- haven't necessarily established themselves the way Noel Buck has, and I don't think you're ready to make them kind of your out-and-out starter. And then, of course, you have Nacho Heal, who we have no idea when we're ever going to see him. Um, so, so, so in, in, the, in the sense, there's, it's a good problem to have with the central midfielders, but then maybe it's not a, maybe you're lacking depth on the wings. Um, if you actually do want to play kind of a four, four, two, a traditional four, four, two with wingers. And, and that's where it kind of gets tricky trying to figure out what to do with Ima Boateng. Uh, because I, it's, I don't know. I think it's, I think it's a tough situation right now to play Ima Boateng, play Brandon by play Dewan Jones and have still have a balanced midfield, um, where you have somebody on the right side that can, approximate what Ima Boateng does or even play as kind of a natural right winger at this point. Yeah, and I think also, too, this brain and eye injury has showed just how, I want to say, I guess I'll say it, weak uh, the Revolution are kind of at those outside back positions. You know, you've seen Christian McCoon have to play left back. Haven't really seen a lot of Ben Sweat. Would have I would have thought that we would have seen more of him. Uh, you have Ryan Spalding out alone, uh, playing quite well for Tampa Bay Rowdies. Uh, scored two goals last night, I believe, or you know, scored. I know he scored at least one. Uh, so he has been performing well with them, but I believe he's been playing even in more of a natural kind of almost like Ima Boateng more than left back. So that is also another position. If Brandon Bay or God forbid DeJuan Jones go down with an injury, you're going to be decimated at that. And maybe this summer transfer window, you can boost that, maybe increase that depth, or maybe. We see the, the wing become the focus. Again, you know, it seems like we say it almost every year. This summer transfer window is going to be very crucial, especially if the Revolution want to be an MLS Cup contender. Yeah, completely agree. And, and to reiterate your point, Ryan Spalding did have two goals last night, which is quite <laughs> impressive for him. He was also, as of you know, a week ago, leading the league in assists. So he's doing very, very well for Tampa Bay Rowdies, at least on the offensive end. I can't say I've watched many of his performances to, to say he's been a lockdown defender, but offensively, he's doing really, really well. And you know, at some point, you have to think if the Revs are limited at their fullback options, do they recall him? But then at the same time, it's probably better for his development, as, as we talked about a week ago on this show, to, to have him stay down there, be an everyday player, than come up here and you know get a spot start to fill in for, for depth. So that's, a, and that's another question kind of overlying this team is, you know, do you call Ryan Spaulding back up at some point when he's playing this well? And I think long-term, you're probably better off if he's playing every day in Tampa Bay than if he's up here to play a game or two, right? Yeah, exactly. I think, you know, we've seen it with the second team in the sense that being able to get that consistent playing time can be really good for players. And I think, especially if you have a guy like Spalding on the USL championship side, I think that's, you know, much more beneficial to him, especially compared to Reds too. Uh, so I think obviously best for the player might not exactly be best for the team. So maybe, you know, they might be a little bit more focused about whatever is best for the team, but I think definitely best for the players to get that consistent playing time going up against, I would say, you know, more, not more professional, but just more seasoned experience of uh, players down in the USL Championship, that's definitely going to be more beneficial for him. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. 
Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. And, and we did get some updates from Bruce Arena, rare injury updates from him <laughs> yes. last night. Could, could you tell us what you heard in that press conference of Bruce Arena about you know, what, what updates we have on guys like Brandon By, Tommy Mack, and, and Nacho Heal? Yeah, so Bruce did say that uh, Brandon By and Nolbuck hoping to have them available or have them back uh, for Orlando City. Uh, Gustavo Lopes, he asked about Nacho Hill and Tommy McNamara. I believe they're hoping that Tommy Mack will be back in training either this week or next week. No update on Nacho Hill. believe he is still in Spain. have not seen him uh, pictured or on Instagram anywhere in the continental United States. Uh, so that is an interesting situation. But also, too, uh, Bruce did mention that they hope to have Henry Kessler back around August or September. Uh, so if you were to get a guy like Kessler back for the back end of the season going into the playoffs, that would be great. Obviously, it'll take him some time to kind of build that match fitness. I believe the hope is that he'll be off uh, crutches, you know, going into this week or possibly next. Uh, to get a guy like Kessler back would be amazing i think going prior to his injury it seemed like him and dave romney were going to be the starters moving forward and that would have obviously pushed andrew farrell to the bench and maybe getting a spot start here and there uh, andrew farrell's come in i thought he has done an all right job i think obviously going with recency bias uh, that penny gave up wasn't the best but i think overall he's done a decent job so it, it seems like the revolution is starting to get healthier jacob jackson practicing obviously Masiel seems like he's getting closer. So after all of those injuries, absolute absurd amount of injuries, the Revolution appeared to be getting a bit healthier. Yeah, I, th- I thought Andrew Farrell had done a good job stepping up for Henry Kessler, but recency bias the past three or four games have not been his best. Um, and I, and I, yes. I think I think there's probably more of a wishful hope that you know Henry Kessler comes back sooner or later, just based on kind of how the last three or four games from from Farrell have gone. I've been a feral defender a lot on this podcast, but I have to say that the, the past few games have not, have not been highlights for him. Um, I, I, although I will say last game, I, I think he was fine until, until the idiotic, uh, until the idiotic bicycle kick attempt. I don't know what he was thinking there. He could have just moved over and, and won a header instead of trying that and giving up a penalty kick. Uh, it was pretty boneheaded, but you know, just you know, one, one boneheaded play like that in a game and you can, you can change how a game plays out. I think the revolution were in pretty much in cruise control at that point, And that actually put, him under a lot of pressure when they you know, made it 3-1 instead of 3 nothing, and they did a good job to hold on but it, it was a lot more uh, let's say you know, edge of your seat stuff than it should have been given how well the Revs had played in the 3-0-nothing league they, they built not for sure and even Bruce Rainey said uh, that, that he got asked about the game and kind of just started off saying that the second half was ugly so it, it seemed like they kind of took their foot off the gas pedal which has kind of been an issue uh, kind of moving back especially in 2022 they would get a lead and then almost it would seem like immediately they would blow it. Uh, so that's definitely something that they might need to work on, maybe need to focus just playing complete 90 minutes. Obviously, it's a lot easier said than done. Uh, but if you're going to be a championship caliber team, you can't just take your foot off the gas pedal. This is MLS. Absolute chaos is bound to happen and the team's bound to strike back. So you have to be on your toes for a complete 90 minutes. 
And I think now's a good time to jump into listener questions. But before we do, I want to take a quick minute to talk about the sponsor of this podcast, Galaco Kits. Galaco Kits is the go-to place to bring unique vintage jerseys to your home. The passion for the beautiful game doesn't have borders, and neither does the selection. And if you head to GalacoKits.com today, you can get 15% off your order using the code REVSRECAP. That's REVSRECAP at checkout for 15% off your order at GalacoKits.com. Sam, you ready for questions? Let's get it. All right, I'm going to talk. T- start with a fun one for you, which is uh, Eric on Twitter wants to know what was the story of this arena press conference, and maybe you can provide some context on why this was an unusual press conference before you answer the question. <laughs> yeah, I mean Bruce is in a great mood. Uh, which I don't want to say that Bruce is like pouty or just always in a bad mood, but I mean he's, he's bound to, uh, you know, be very short or you know possibly be very terse or you know come at people. Uh, but this one was pretty interesting. Uh, it started, I think, the, the first moment that really kind of perked me up is when I was about to ask about Matt Polster. And Bruce Arena, uh, after my name was called, I was like, ah, you're going to ask about Veroni. And in my head, I'm like, haha, I got you, Bruce. I'm actually not. Uh, I was asking about Matt Polster. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, it was just really funny. He gave a typical Bruce face. Tom Quinlan gave the heartiest laugh I've ever heard in my life. Uh, so it was just great. To, like it was a great moment. Like you know, me and Bruce don't exactly have great moments. Uh, if you're talking about us being, you know, best friends, so I really appreciated that. You know, it's the press conference seems to be getting better. I want to give a shout out to Nathan Walter, the president and general manager of Jacksonville Armada. I tweeted that from the Blazing Musket account. And he put that uh, Bruce was talking about Lionel Messi, and I'm sorry, he was talking about Matt Polster, and this just really bewildered me. So apparently everyone in Florida is going really hard for Lionel Messi. Uh, but then, speaking of Lionel Messi, Tom Quinlan did ask uh, Bruce kind of about the whole inner workings of getting Messi here. You know, is it fair to a team like the Revolution following the roster rules? Miami hasn't exactly been following the roster rules. If you look back... And now MLS is, you know, reportedly helping the deal. And Bruce just kind of went into talking about, number one, this is a good thing for the league, which I think is kind of a a certain fact in the sense that you're getting the greatest player of all time to come to New England. Come to New England. He's definitely not coming to New England because I don't know if you saw the tape. Yeah, especially after that injury last night. (laughs) Yeah, that... that, not to side by that was absolutely awful. Like I just saw that. I'm like, oh my god. And I'm thinking, Lionel Messi's watching this game. Like I'm never going here. Uh, but yes, to get back to Bruce talking about uh, classic MLS, he talked about how like, you know, the league started off, and all of a sudden, you know, you had a player like Marco Echeverri just being put on a team. And he basically said, you know, MLS isn't really helping the deal. Which who knows about that. Uh, but he just kind of went deep into the history and just talking about how Messi is going to be great for the league and just talking about his experience in L.A., obviously, with David Beckham. And he just really, he talked and he kind of, you know, flushed it out. And it was really great, you know, see, he went into detail. We got some TAM talk. We got some GAM talk. So it was just really awesome. I mean, you don't take, always see Bruce in that way. Sometimes he's just, you know, hoping to get out of a press conference. So have that back and forth uh, definitely kudos to tom quinlan gustavo lopes also uh was asking about you know roster rules and what it may be so kudos to them it, it provided you know great sound clips and i think it really kind of informed fans about you know the history of the league and kind of the inner workings of uh, what's going on 
I guess we should take a second to talk about Messi, right? <laughs> There's a revolution podcast, so it's not not a hundred percent, you know, on on key for us, but it's the biggest signing in MLS history, and we haven't talked about it yet in the podcast. So it's, we should take a second to talk about it. what what impact do you think Messi is going to have on this league? And um, well, we I guess we do have one question about him too. We'll get to that next. But what what impact do you think Messi is going to have on this league? And and how would you compare that to say the the impact that David Beckham had in this league and when the league was really in a different era? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a lot of unknown, but I mean, it is the greatest player of all time. Oh, yeah, I'm going to say that. Uh, greatest player of all time, Cristiano Ronaldo. I am so sorry, but you are not it, fan. Uh, so, yeah, I think having a player like that come to MLS, I mean, he's still playing well. I get that he is up there in age. I'm a PSG fan. It wasn't exactly great for them. Uh, but I think you're going to see the best player in the world playing in MLS, which I think we already saw the impact even in New England. You saw Messi jerseys in the stands. You saw the you know fans chanting, we want Messi. And I think even just that shows the impact. And I think obviously the social impact of, I believe, Inter-Miami now has more followers than like any other professional sports team. Uh, any any team other than NBA teams. Well, he, he's got more followers than Miami Heat. I do know Oh, Me- Messi does himself. But Inter-Miami now has more followers than I think any team other than the Lakers, Celtics, Golden State Warriors, and maybe maybe one other. But. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I know they got that heat because that was a big thing because obviously they're in the finals. Um, but yeah, so it obviously that social impact. I mean, there were people commenting on Inter-Miami 2's like, TikTok. To, so there's that impact. And I think it's just, it is going to get more eyes. It is going to get more attention. And it will be interesting to see if maybe these roster rules do, do change just like they did with Beckham. It seems like we're at the point where something like a designated player could be a bit archaic or ancient in the fact that you have teams or you have a league willing to spend money. Why don't you just kind of open this thing up and let the spenders go and spend that money? Let them go and get a messy. You know, there's rumors of Antoine Griezmann or whoever it may be. Why don't you you know, kind of let that money talk and, you know, really show what owners are committed and maybe what ones aren't exactly as committed as they should be. So I think it's going to be great. I don't think Inter Miami is now going to be the best team in MLS. I, if they make it to the playoffs, kudos to them. But I think it's going to be a lot of work. Obviously, Lionel Messi, a lot better than Lorenzo Insigne and Fernandino Berdeschi. Uh, but... I still think it'll take some time to adjust. It'll take some time for him to really get into his game. And I don't think you're just going to see Inter-Miami catapult up up the table and, you know, even maybe compete for the playoffs. It's going to be kind of a long-term thing. And obviously, maybe we see Messi take the Beckham row and own a team eventually. But I do think Bruce is right. This is great for the league. I don't know if I would want roster rules like the DP uh, spot, like Bruce kind of joked about saying, I don't care if they already have three, uh, they can have a fourth, essentially is what he said. Uh, but I, I do think it's great for the league, going to get plenty of eyes, and it's definitely going to be interesting to see if he somehow does travel to Gillette, even if it's just in the stands, uh, what that would be like. Yeah, it's, it's huge for the league. And to just compare it to Beckham for a minute, I think the league was at a very different place back then. And Beckham kind of, in some ways, saved the league 
Uh, and they were in a much much worse place back then. Beckham, in a way, saved the league with all the attention he brought and helped the league kind of evolve and bring the designated player rule in and, and slowly lead to where the league is now where they can have these three players that make way over the salary cap and teams can do what they want with those spots. So I think Beckham really helped change and evolve the league. I think the league is in a much better place now. Um, with that said, Lionel Messi is a much better player than David Beckham is. He maybe doesn't have the, the you know, kind of the outside social personality that I think he's more introverted than maybe Beckham was and less about drawing attention to himself. Uh, but what he does in the field is so much more exciting and he's going to be a guy that's going to be a regular in sports center highlights and getting all that attention. So he's going to bring a lot of eyes to the league. He's going to bring a lot of subscribers to MLS season pass. And we already know he's going to put a lot of butts in the stands because he's seen how expensive tickets have gotten for every game he might potentially play in this year. Uh, there's going to be a lot of sellouts at football stadiums for Lionel Messi. So all of that is extremely exciting. What long-term impact he has past his playing days here remains to be seen. And I think that goes to what you're saying is, you know, will the league open up even more for allowing spending after the after Messi's here? Will this allow the league to kind of really branch out and allow the owners that want to spend a lot to spend a lot on more than just those three roster spots? And that's a question that I think remains to be seen. Um, I think because of some owners like Bob Kraft who have been open in the past where, you know, I think when Bob Kraft's been asked if he would ever buy a, a European soccer team, his answer has been no, because there's no salary cap. So, you know, when you have some owners with Bob Kraft's viewpoint, does that hold the league back from kind of branching out beyond, you know, maybe adding a couple extra designated player spots? And that's, you know, again, I, there's a lot that remains to be seen with Messi, but what we do know is he's a fantastic player. He's going, he's going to sell a lot of tickets, and I, I think it's pretty safe to say he's going to sell a lot of subscriptions to MLS season pass. And I'm, for one, I'm very excited to see his debut, which I, I'm hopeful is going to happen at some point in July. Oh, yeah, they're, they're going to get the full Leeds Cup rollout. I mean, uh, Dolan is already talking about him possibly showing up for the All-Star game, and he's, he's so pumped for that. I don't know if that will happen. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's going to be absolutely amazing to watch. I mean, ESPN FC will tweet him every single chance uh, they get. Uh, so it's definitely, like you said, going to get more eyes. And it's going to be interesting to see kind of more long-term effects. Because obviously he's going to play well. He's going to do well. It's almost a win-win if he plays well. It's like, okay, he's the best player. Like, what do you expect? Or, and if he doesn't, it takes a little bit. It's like, oh, maybe MLS isn't this easy league that all these fans in Europe and across the world think it is. So, uh it's definitely going to be interesting to see how it goes. Yeah, I, I was actually looking. I when this news came out, I, I checked to see. You know, they're playing um, New York Red Bulls at some point in September, or I don't, I don't remember when. But at some point after Messi's supposed to be here, I looked to get tickets, and I think it was like four hundred plus for the cheapest tickets. So I canceled that idea. But you know, that's how how excited I am to see him in the league. Was thinking about you know, driving down there just to see him play against the Red Bulls, uh, but not not for four hundred plus dollars. That's a bit out of my budget at the moment. But <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, staying, staying off topic for one more question before we go back to the revs Porter, when you touched on this Porter on discord asked, can Messi save this atrocious inter Miami team? If he can't, how does that affect his legacy? I mean, this man is not a literal God, so I don't think he can save inter Miami, especially this season. Um, maybe they make the playoffs. I think that's a great scenario. But they're absolutely at the bottom of the table. I mean, what's called Sergio Aguero was joking with him about it. So I think if they get to the playoffs, that's a win. If they miss the playoffs, you just join the worst team, uh, almost the worst team in the league. And, I mean, after, after that Reds game, I would be wondering if that contract was signed because uh, that was a hell of an experience for him to watch his technical first game watching uh, of his new team. Uh, so I don't think he will save them in the terms. I don't think Lionel Messi is lifting a trophy this season of Inter-Miami. 
Uh, I do think, obviously, just the pop, you know, it'll be interesting to see how it affects the players that do come in. Obviously, there's already talk of Sergio Busquets. There's talks of uh, Antoine Griezmann possibly coming to MLS. I'm, I think there's an MLS transfers Twitter account, so take it with a grain of salt. I was saying that Neymar is now interested in coming over. Uh, Angel Di Maria. You're getting all these names wanting to come play with Messi. Don't blame them. It's leaning on Messi. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see if maybe you look at next season, you get a stacked Miami team competing with, you know, arguably the greatest player of all time uh, in MLS, what possibly, you know, competing for an MLS Cup. But this season, hold your horses. Maybe they make the playoffs, and that's about it. Yeah, I, I think I think I agree with you. I think this season is a, a very long shot for him to do anything other than make the playoffs. And you know, Messi is good enough that, given how many teams in MLS make the playoffs, it wouldn't be that surprising to see them go from last place to making the playoffs. I mean, look at the standings right now; they're seven points behind Montreal. That's you know, two wins and a draw. That's you know, very, very. Some, that's something they could certainly overcome. Uh, to to sneak into a, a low seed because so many teams make the playoffs. Uh, I don't think they're winning any trophies this year, but you know, long term, I think that there's a lot of potential that Inter Miami brings in some of the names that you're talking about. A lot of people are going to want to play in Miami now that Lionel Messi's there. I don't know that they have the flexibility to offload their two designated players this summer and clear the the roster space to bring in enough guys to turn this team around now. And even if they did, I think turning around a team mid season to that extent is unrealistic. But I do think that you know, next year or maybe a, a year, two years down the line that you know, Miami could compete for trophies with Lionel Messi and whoever else he brings on. And, and again, it's a different era than it was when David Beckham joined the league. But David Beckham had a – and Bruce Arena talked about this. David Beckham had a rough first year and a half with the Galaxy. You know, he joined the league in the summer of 2007. And then he did win MLS Cups with LA Galaxy in 2011 and 2012. So he was trophyless for quite a few seasons with the LA Galaxy, but then eventually won two MLS Cups. So I, I would expect that at some point in his career, Messi's going to be competing for trophies in MLS. It, I just don't think it's going to be this year either. Yeah, I can't wait to see uh, Messi in the All-Star game. That will be, <laughs> whenever that happens, that will be amazing. I mean, are we going to, is the Landon Donovan tro- MVP trophy going to be named for the Messi trophy? That remains to be seen. Uh, but yeah, it, it's going to be an absolute wild ride. Well, and if you're a Revs fan, you're probably hoping that the Revs somehow match up with Miami in the playoffs because we never saw Thierry Henry avoided playing on the turf. But when the Revs played them in the playoffs, he sucked it up and played. So maybe maybe, maybe if uh, Messi plays the Revs in, in the playoffs, you could actually see him at Gillette. Yeah, I mean, Messi seems like a gamer. So I think if, if you get that playoff match, he's, he's going to come for it. And I just pray to God that uh, injury like we saw last night does not happen because that was brutal. Well, if, and if you want to talk about something affecting his legacy, to me, if he didn't, if they made the playoffs and he refused to play on turf, that would impact his legacy. I think, in my in my view, maybe maybe not oh, much because it's MLS, but <laughs> oh, I mean, of course, if he did not play against New England Revolution, uh, but has those Ballon doors, I think you take him away personally. He he, <laughs> he he can't have a golden. I I was gonna brutally mess up what a Ballon d'Or is. Uh, you just can't. <laughs> you, you you have to take the trophies away if he's not playing uh, actual at stadium. <laughs> Well, back back to the revolution. We do have some questions on the revs. Uh, Traeger on Twitter wants to, wants to ask about the formation. He said, I felt like today was one of our best performances of the season. Do you see the revs continuing in a 3-5-2 when Brandon Bayer returns, or do they revert back to a 4-4-2? 
And I'll add the context that they're going to be missing Christian McCoon and Georgie Petrovic this weekend. So if, if Brandon buys back, I, I don't I don't know how much you can read into what they do this weekend, given who is who is absent. But um, I guess taking all that into consideration, do you think the Revs stick with this formation or do they revert back to a four four two? Yeah, I think especially if you have a completely healthy Brandon buy, I think that's a you know a different question. I think this week maybe you see someone like Brandon Bai come off the bench. And so if you do have that, I don't think you can start off with that 4-4-2. So I would say you probably stick with the 3-5-2. Now, what does that mean? Uh, do we see the, uh, the one, the only Omar Gonzalez get a start? Uh, that is in the cards. Uh, I don't think Ben Sweat's technically a, set, a center back. I think he maybe played like five or six games at the position. So I don't think he's going to be that third guy. But obviously losing Lacoon kind of makes it difficult. You know, maybe if you're able to switch Dewan Jones to right back, have Ben Sweat a left back. But I think the 3-5-2 has been working. So I think you kind of stick with that. Obviously, like you mentioned, Petro isn't going to be absent as well, too. The issue see who is in net, whether it be Earl Edwards Jr. I know Jacob Jackson just came back from injury. But personally, I would love to see him uh, get a start just because I think he is the future at the position. Obviously, Earl Edwards Jr., great backup. I think ideally, if you're looking for a starting caliber goalkeeper, especially with Petrovic's rumors to go to Europe, I think Jacob Jackson is the guy you're going to want to really build up and get minutes. Uh, so if I think now, just, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I think you go that 3 5 two. It is going to be interesting to see, you know, maybe if Brandon Bai comes in later in the game, you shift to a 4-4-2, maybe move the one back to that left side of the field, that left back. Uh, but I think just with the sets that you've had and not really wanting to mess things up, uh, you know, with those absences, I think you go with the three five two. But I think when Brandon Bai is healthy, completely healthy, ready to play ninety minutes, you're going to see the New England Revolution go back to that four four two. Yeah. So to sum it up, you think a three five two or five three two, whatever you want to call it, this next game, and then when Brandon Bai is fully healthy, we go back to the four four two. I I would tend to agree with you. Um, th- this game against Orlando is going to be very very interesting because of those two absences, and because I I, I think that you're probably not going to push Brandon Bai to go ninety minutes, so you probably aren't going to see him off the bench. So that does I think have to mean if you stick with a th- you know the three man the three center backs that Omar Gonzalez steps in. And then you're also missing Petrovic, so you're missing kind of your safety net of when, when the defense falls apart. And I 100% agree with you. I would rather see Jacob Jackson get a chance to net because I do think that he could be the future. And because of that, it would be nice to see him you know, get some first-team minutes, even though he's just coming back from injury. He, I think he played 90 with, with the second team, so he you know, should be ready for 90. Um, you know, I would like to see that. I don't think we're going to see that. I think we're going to see Earl Edwards. I think we're going to see you know the similar formation of what we saw this week, just with Omar Gonzalez going in for Christian McCoon. I have no idea how well that's going to work. Um, and again, without I think Petrovic actually didn't have to do too much, too many difficult saves in this past game. But without having him against Orlando and without ha- and with having to switch up the back line again, you know, hopefully that's not a recipe for disaster. But it, it could be. So this this will be a very interesting game to see from the Revolution. I don't think it will tell us much long-term about how they're going to play because of those absences. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I wouldn't want to be one to, to bet on this game against Orlando, given given who's going to be out. Oh, yeah. Absolute uh, uh, toss-up, I guess, in the sense that uh, it's going to be... It's, it's going to be really interesting. It's going to be fun to watch, I bet, though, especially 
uh, with those absences. I, I bet it would be a back and forth game. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we got a couple questions about Gustavo Bo. Derek Terrell on Twitter says, Bo looks to be in good form, impressive work from him throughout the game. Do you think he can still play 90 minutes consistently or will we continue to see him come out with 20 to 30 minutes left in the game? RF Dawson has said, similar question about Bo, had one of his strongest games as a rev in, in a long time and gets pulled after 65 minutes. Is that a fitness issue or is Bruce just trying to get some additional time for other guys? Bo is a proud man. He was not coming out happy coming out early in this game. And I think Bruce actually answered a question about this too right or talked about his minutes right do you, do you recall what he said yeah he basically, basically said i think he, he was asked like when could he play 90 minutes and he said maybe he can play next week so i definitely think it's just a matter of working him back uh, from that injury i definitely think that the revolution are going to be cautious uh than just playing him very complete 90 minutes you know in a game uh, like they had against Inter Miami, they seem to have it in the bag. Obviously, they they kind of let off a little bit, but I think they kind of knew that they could get the three points there. And obviously, it's a benefit to get someone like Roni onto the field. But I also think they just want to take it not easy, but just be cautious uh, with Gustavo Bo's return. I don't know if we'll see him get full ninety minutes against Orlando. Maybe see him creep into the seventy-five, maybe eightieth minute. Uh, but I think it's just the process of working him back. But just to the, the uh, you know, those two questions points, I think, again, he, he performed well. He looked great with uh, Bobby Wood. I was also impressed, too. I thought he showed some, you know, just overall hard work uh, on the defensive end, kind of, you know, just pressing opponents and not just kind of walking or jogging back. I thought he looked kind of more refined and, I was able to create some turnovers and, you know, even to have an interception. And also, too, there were so many times where I thought Gustavo Bo was going to launch a shot from an off angle or from deep. And he kind of made the quote-unquote smart play, laid it off to a teammate, and was able to create a better chance. So it was definitely, you know, great to see that. And I think, again, he just had a great performance in his return to the starting eleven. Yeah, I, I agree with everything you just said. I think this is a case of kind of working him back up. And when you have the luxury of being up 3 nothing, there's no reason to take a risk of playing him 90 minutes when he hasn't played 90 minutes in a while. At the same time, too, given his age, I think if you're you know further down in the season and he's you know in 90 minutes shape, if the Revolution are up 3 nothing, I think I would still sup him out of the game just to save him. And given given his injury history, you know, at this point that he you know he's he's somewhat injury prone. He's up there in age. To me, as a preservation tactic, you know, I don't think you play him 90 minutes unless you're in a situation where the revolution are tied or trailing and you need a goal and it doesn't make sense to take him out for the situation. But I think if you're if you're up and you feel comfortable, I think it's a smart move long term to to not have him play 90 minutes, especially when you have five subs and especially given the refs injury history this season. And to be honest, I would like to see the revolution when they have the chance, take Carly's heel out of the game more frequently, especially with the, the amount of beatings he takes from defenders. I think him playing 90 minutes every game he's available for maybe doesn't make complete sense when the revolution might have a three, nothing lead. So I'm, I'm okay when Bo is 90 minutes fit with him being a guy that comes out, you know, in the 65th minute, if the revolution feel the game is in hand. And I think that's something the revolution need to think about and do more often with some other star players just for, for preservation's sake, because it is a very long season and you want these guys to be 90 minutes fit for the playoffs. And you want them to be healthy for the playoffs and don't necessarily need to see them play 90 minutes when the revolution are up three, nothing. Yeah. Obviously you want to see Carlos Hill, you know, play as many minutes as possible. It's going to be really tough to take him out, especially if you're not 
have a really large lead similar to what you had against Inter Miami. But if you're able to rest him, obviously he's such an important player. The team looks completely different without him. But if you're able to rest and make sure that he is healthy, he has had his own injury issues. It's a lot tougher, I would say, to rest Carlos Hill. And, and, you know, in a sense that the team is kind of completely different and that it's just hard to take him out and really kind of be like, all right, I think we won this game. And then, God forbid, you just absolutely blow the lead. But if you're able to rest Carlos Hill in any fashion, it's obviously good. So I think the same thing goes for Bo. If you do have the luxury of kind of resting him or being cautious with him, you have to take advantage of that. And we do have a question on Farrell because how could we not? Uh, Nathan on Twitter wants to know how many more penalties does Andrew Farrell concede per game than the average MLS player? I, I didn't take the time to actually look up a stat for this one, but, but any thoughts? I, I mean, I don't think he, he's above average. I think maybe who doesn't want to hit a bicycle kick? I would love to hit a bicycle kick. So Andrew Farrell, <laughs> he had the lead and he's like, hey, let's try a bicycle kick. And maybe what, what if he scores a goal? We would all be happy. Um, but no, in, in all seriousness, I think, he, like we said, he's done well. Uh, that was a rough moment. Maybe not a necessary moment, but chicks love bicycle kicks. So uh, kudos to Andrew for trying it. I would probably not try that. And, you know, he, he had to bear the consequences. But luckily, the revolution played well, and we didn't have to worry about that being costly. And overall, he has played well, uh, replacing Aaron Kessler, so there's not a lot to complain about but obviously it could be a bit better if we're looking at his more recent performances i think i think you're too nice i think at 31 years old you gotta you got take not go for the flashy play there and do the smart play and just track back and head that ball away oh, um, no. sean you were completely <laughs> correct don't worry uh he should do that but i mean who doesn't want the bicycle kick man <laughs> I mean, thank thank God they didn't blow that lead because oh, God. that oh, God. that that would have everyone would be talking about that forever. And you know, we talk about the question was how many more penalty kicks does he concede than the average defender? I don't know the answer to that, but he's leading the league in penalties conceded this year with two. He led the league in penalties conceded last year with four. Uh, should also shout out to Henry Kessler who was second last year with three, despite playing ten less games than Andrew Farrell. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I feel like it's more of a. He's always been prone to making the occasional mistake, but I feel like the extreme amount of penalties he's given up has been more of a past two years thing, and it is a little bit troubling to me how many he has conceded, uh, but I couldn't tell you how many more than average, but obviously when you're leading the league two years in a row and penalties conceded, that that is uh, less than ideal, especially this year when he missed a number of games at the beginning of the season. Um, so yeah, not, not, not great. No, I, I, and I mean... It kind of goes to the point, too, where with Henry Kessler healthy, he, he was on the bench. And I think it almost seemed like we were seeing Farrell kind of transition into that new role that he had. And obviously, with the injuries, he's had to step up and, you know, he's done a valiant job. Uh, but as he gets up there in age, the question is going to be, is, is he a starting caliber player? Is he more suited to a bench role? And, you know, Obviously, a lot of uh, the hashtag loves to talk about should he even be here. Uh, but I think he, he can play a valuable role. There is that decision-making issue. And it seems like in 2022, if, he, if this was 2022, that would have uh, caused absolute chaos or actually somehow blown the lead and it would have been absolutely terrible. Uh, luckily, this is not 2022 and the Revs are not playing uh, absolutely terrible after winning the Supporters' Shield. 
and that didn't cause a problem. Uh, but you can't keep making these mistakes, especially if you look at the teams at the top. If you make a mistake like that, they're going to make you pay and you know maybe even absolutely steal points from you. Uh, so going forward, especially with the Revolution being a team that should be making the playoffs, God forbid you get to the playoffs and make a dumb decision like that. It's going to be really harmful, and it's going to kind of affect how you kind of look at his performance and his ability. So definitely got to clean up that decision making. So it, it did cost Georgi Petrovic a, a clean sheet, which would have put him alone in third with seven. Instead, he's tied with five other guys for third with six. So that's that's something. And no no donuts for the Revolution this week because maybe maybe because of that maybe topic. Petro was like, hey, like I've gotten a lot of donuts. I don't know if it's exactly <laughs> the best thing for the team. Go for the bike. <laughs> you know that's that's about as good an explanation as any because it does not make any sense otherwise <laughs> anyways I that, think we get the best explanation yeah i think i think that's the only the only thing that makes any sense so i'm gonna go with that one <laughs> uh that's it for questions though josh glenn twitter said no question just grateful for all you all for you all doing this thank you josh we really appreciate it always appreciate when we get nice feedback uh sam with that any final thoughts and where can people find your writing and on social media? Tell us, tell us what you got upcoming on the blazing musket. Yeah. I mean, we, we had a ton of stuff. It was a busy uh, Saturday for us. I uh, headed up to a uh, Malvin Catholic covered Vermont green FC, uh, absolutely uh, dominating uh, Boston city with a six nothing win. So plenty of Vermont green stuff, plenty of all doing in soccer uh, stuff. So definitely make sure to check us out at the blazing musket.com. Uh, I'm not really doing Twitter. I'm just liking and retweeting tweets. That's pretty much all I use Twitter for now. Uh, but definitely make sure to follow us at Blazing Musket on Twitter. You can definitely follow us on Instagram at The Blazing Musket. We have a YouTube channel now. You get to see Bruce Arena give the best face ever when he thinks I'm going to ask about Giacomo Groni. So definitely check that out. But yeah, just definitely make sure to follow all, all of us over at The Blazing Musket. Check out all of our work. And if you love us so much and want to become a paid subscriber, we would absolutely love for you to do that. You get access to our paid subscriber chat. You can chat it up with us during games and also submit your mailbag questions. But Sean, always love being on Revolutionary Camp. Absolute a blast. I'm glad we got to talk about Lionel Messi and Bruce Arena somehow being nice to me. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't I didn't predict we'd be talking about Lionel Messi on the podcast this season. So that's a, an exciting turn of events. <laughs> yeah, give, give me Neymar next. <laughs> I, I'm honestly very excited to see who, what, what friends of Lionel Messi end up in the league because of Lionel Messi. Whether that's with Inter Miami, which is probably where most of them are going to go, or or elsewhere, um, that'll be another thing to watch because he's got he's got plenty of other very talented players that he's played with before that I'm sure would love to play with him again in Miami. Yeah, I mean Miami's a pretty uh, sick place to uh, call home, so that that's definitely a bonus. Same goes to the teams out in LA. <laughs> Well, you can follow me on Twitter at Sean Aldonahue, and of course, follow the podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Revolution Recap. Please rate and review us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. Sam, thanks again so much for coming on and joining us today. It was great having you on. Make sure you check out his writing at The Blazing Musket, as well as everyone else, Seth McComber, Greg Johnson writes there. Lots of great writers at The Blazing Musket that you have to check out. And thanks again for listening for, to Revolution Recap, which is presented by Bet Online, and we'll be back after the Orlando game with another podcast. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. 
Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.